You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Welcome to episode number nine. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with today's guest, Mandy Spray. Mandy is a certified innate well-being facilitator and a clarity coach and trainer. Mandy was one of my mentors when I did facilitator training at Innate Wellbeing. She's a lovely and down-to-earth soul who works with a variety of people and organizations, including health and social care organizations, as well as kids and parents. I had the pleasure of sitting in on some of her parenting webinars, and the conversations are fantastic. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. So welcome, Mandy. I'm really happy to have you on the show with me today. Hi, Jessie Lynn. It's really good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Um, I love the fact that our relationship has gone through the transition of kind of when I did the facilitator training, you were one of the coaches or I don't know what what you would call it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I suppose one of the mentors, wasn't it? Yeah, with innate well-being. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah which was a fabulous course. Um, and now today, how we've, I've got to sit in on some of your, your webinars and, and see what you do and stuff like that. Do you want to tell our listeners what it is that you do? Sure, yeah. This is always the hardest part of interviews, I think. Um, I suppose I would describe myself as a coach and a three principles facilitator. So um, what I do now is I very much share the three principles, my understanding of the three principles, kind of with anybody who'll listen. Um, But there are different groups that I work with now. Um, And I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. I mean, I live in the UK. I live in London. Um, and spend time in Devon and Scotland. Um, I'm, I've got two children, both in their early 20s. Um, and I trained as a nurse many years ago, and then I went through various trainings in energy medicine, like homeopathy and EFT and Reiki. Uh, I've always been really interested in the kind of mind-body connection, or in fact now that there is no connection because it's all one. Um, but I'm I'm very interested in people's resilience, knowing that everybody has that resilience. Um, And I suppose helping them to see that. Um, I've worked with, um, I've run workshops for health and social care workers, so youth workers, social workers, um, because I'm really interested in that as well. And more recently, it suddenly occurred to me a few months ago that I'd love to do work with parents, um, particularly parents of teenagers. Um, that came about really because I don't know what it's like where you are, but here in the UK, there's a lot of concern ar- around mental health yeah. um, or mental illness with young people, um, particularly teenagers, university students. And I kind of wasn't sure what I could do about that. I do do coaching sessions with teenagers, but it felt that I wanted to do something a little bit differently to that. Um, and so I've set up a series of webinars with parents of teenagers. And we're on our third series now, and it's going really well. And basically, it's about having different conversations with parents about how to parent teenagers. And there's some amazing stuff coming out of that. So that's kind of where I am at the moment. And I do one-to-one mentoring um, with people, particularly women, um, who might be going through transition in 
any shape or form. Mm. So that's kind of it. Oh, and I write. <laughs> I write. I write blogs. I love writing in your spare time. <laughs> yeah, and like all of us, I think there's a book in there somewhere. Um, yeah. One day, maybe it'll appear. Well, if you do, yeah. we were talking before we hit the record button about the. Um, I was telling Mandy about how I write every day three pages, mm-hmm. and how that's kind of transitioned from or, or transformed for me. It's kind of like deep listening of the soul. Yeah. And I think that there's something really powerful in writing. And when you write, do you write on the computer or do you write pen and paper? Well, when I'm writing my blogs, it's on the computer. And I often start writing complete gobbledygook. Yeah. And then it's like the subject finds me, if yeah. that makes sense. I mean, I do journal as well. I go through phases. So I might, and that's handwritten. And that I might do that for a few weeks and then I don't do it for a couple of months and then it occurs to me to start again. So I'm not a kind of, it's not a ritual for me. It's an as and when. Um, But writing, I think blogs just occur to me and often the things I write are about, it's it's really just about human life. Um, And I'll see something quite funny like me as a parent losing the plot with my daughter. So I just think, God, that would be really useful as a story. Yeah. So the writing that I do, it tends to be around sort of basic human stories um, with humour. And my partner's a cartoonist, so he tends to do the cartoons to go with it, which is quite fun. Nice. So it's a bit of joint work, yeah. Um, but I think but a couple of weeks ago, I, I used the word epitome. And I said to my partner, oh, this is the epitome of something. And he went, what, what are you saying, epitome? And of course, the word's epitome. Yeah, I was just going to say. I know. It took me kind of 59 years to realise that. And I'm like, oh my God, that would be a really good blog. <laughs> so I will write about that at some point. It's just those little moments of... Of being human. Know, being human, yeah. Mm. And I call them making sense of life. Mm. Because for me, a really important thing with the people that I work with is to support them to make sense of life, make sense of what's going on. And of course, understanding three principles is hugely helpful in that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, sorry, I'm waffling away, but I think that's particularly what I love about working with parents of teenagers is it's offering them a different conversation to help them make sense of life because there are plenty of forums for parents of teenagers to get together and kind of talk a lot about social me- how awful social media is, how the education system's failing, how their teenagers are turning into monsters, and it's like we're already doing all of that. Yeah. So let's try and do something a little bit different. So let's look at understanding why we feel the way we do as parents um, and what's going on for our teenagers. Yeah. And I think it's been really, so the parents that we've been working with have found it really helpful. Um, so that's going to just keep going. <laughs> There's a couple of things that you said in there that I'm going to pick up on. Um, oh. The first one, when you say about the groups and stuff like that, where you see that often, I see it... Um, I, because working with people going through separation and divorce, I would see so many people getting into these groups where they're kind of, it's almost like looking for validation of, of how they're feeling and stuff like that. And yes. what I find, there, there may be some comfort in that, but it's kind of moving them forward to a different space mm-hmm. or take, maybe taking a different lens and looking at it. Um, we had voting here this week, and one of the interesting things I was saying to Finley when I watched, <clears throat> excuse me, the candidates, um, answering questions so they would have like you know say about gun violence or over here we're having an opioid crisis 
Uh-huh. Not one of the candidates kind of looked looked at the source. Uh-huh. They kept pointing to, well, with guns, just keep them in jail longer, and, you know, things like this. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to kind of see that, that as a society, we often do that. We kind of, uh-huh. you know, even mental illness, we focus on the problem, you know. Absolutely. Like, oh, that's the problem. What I found from listening, sitting in on some of your parenting webinars, I love that you're pointing parents. First of all, we can have conversations with kids. And when I work with kids, it's great. But what I found over time is that unless we have a conversation with the parents, we're not, yeah. we're not completing that circle. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly the teenagers that I work with on a one-to-one basis, um, the pattern is that I'll have three sessions with them, mm. but I always kind of insist on a session with the parents as well. Um, at least one session with the parents. And what I say to them is this is so that I can help you understand what I'm talking to your young person about. Yeah. And that, I, I think that is really helpful, but I wanted to go further than that. Um, and to stop seeing the teenager as the problem. Yeah. And I certainly in this country, um, teenagers are often demonized, in my opinion. Um, we kind of laugh at them. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a big comedy show program here in the 80s, probably, um, 70s or 80s, where there was a teenage character called, I can't even remember his name, um, but he was kind of like doer and kind of grumpy and hey, Kevin. So, every, you know, even now a teenager will have the nickname of, oh, you're being like Kevin. And actually what's going on behind the scenes is often really painful for them. Yeah. They're confused. They don't understand what's going on. And the behavior, all we do is look at the behavior and, and get kind of what I found working with the parents. And it tends to be mums that come on the webinars. Um, they love their children to bits and they have no idea what's going on. And often there's a real sense of loss. Because this little boy that used to hang on to their every word and just want to be with them all the time, suddenly, and it feels like overnight, doesn't want to speak to them. Yeah. And for, it really does help to understand the kind of science behind that as well and to understand the kind of, you know, how nature works. Yeah. That can really help because we don't necessarily understand it. But also to be saying to the mums, you're not doing anything wrong. Mm, this yeah. is kind of this is kind of what happens, and let's be compassionate and understanding towards ourselves, but also towards our teenagers. And what I'm finding is that they often, by the time the mums sort of get to the workshops, they're already you know their heads are full of what ifs and what am I doing wrong and lots of blame and guilt, and it's like let's just settle down from that. Let's just take that off the agenda, yeah, because it's really not helping anybody, and you don't need to do that. And it's often they're saying, what can I do about it? And it's kind of like, well, there's nothing to do yeah. except let's explore, let's have a conversation together and, and look at what's working well. Because as you know, when we're caught up in only looking at the kind of negative behavior, we don't see the little glimmers of brilliance that are going on. So one of the mums recently, she said, well, I suppose he did take the bins out last week. <laughs> it's like, okay, without being asked, it's like, okay. Yeah. So let's kind of look at those areas as well but it is you're so right it's not about having a conversation about how awful things are we have a lot of laughs on the webinar there are sometimes some tears as well um but it's actually looking at how bonkers life is 
and sort of sharing. I think women are really good at sharing and you know being humorous about kind of what's going on. Um, so we're not laughing at the teenagers; we're laughing at the situation and how how often how we're laughing at ourselves on how we can get so caught up in in what's going on and make up completely irrational stories. Um, I think on one of the webinars, I, I explained to people that my fear was always that my son would end up in prison. No idea why I had that particular fear. He's now 25. He's not been to prison. Yeah. <laughs> but every time anything went wrong, I immediately made a whole movie yeah. in my head, the end of which was me visiting him in prison. Even if it was him having an argument with the teacher, it was like, oh, here we go. Right, this is it. Starting now. <laughs> yeah, he's one more <laughs> because, step forward on that path. Exactly. Because yeah. I didn't understand then how the mind works. I didn't understand that I, a little thought came in and I, you know, I added more and more thought to it and ended up in the thought storm. Yeah. That in itself wasn't the problem, but the fact that I was believing what I was thinking and, to, and making it seem as if it was real, that was the issue. So we talk a lot in the webinars about how that works, how the mind works. So, Mandy, for our listeners that don't know about mm. three principles, how would you kind of describe that to them? Yeah. Also the hardest question. I know. <laughs> so I, it's, know. I know, isn't it funny? Like simple understanding. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, when you go to describe it, you're like, huh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We do talk about it a lot. I mean, for me, the way I would describe it now is I start by explaining, I suppose, that we're all... Um, we all have innate health and innate well-being at our core. We were born with it and it stays with us for life. So we're innately healthy, we're innately competent and resilient. We have all of that built in as a default. Now what's happened is over time we forget that and we start to believe that, that it's different. So we might have a thought, for instance, that tells us actually you're not being a very good parent there. And then we take that on and we believe it when actually we're innately built to be good parents. We're innately built to be compassionate and kind. And when we know that, and we can know it intellectually, but when we really start to feel that and experience it, it's life-changing. Because whatever's going on in our lives, whatever bonkers, mad stuff is happening, we can be sure that actually I can cope with this. And often I talk to parents about responsibility that responsibility is quite a heavy word but when we think of it as the ability to respond we have a natural ability to respond so whatever's going on with our teenagers we can handle it we really can handle it we're resilient enough to handle it so that's that's kind of it i suppose is that we're, we're very good as humans at making up stories like me and my son going to prison and then frightening ourselves yeah and in that situation, I forgot about my own resilience and about my son's resilience. Yeah. And the fact that he did something that maybe wasn't a good idea, because we all do that, and particularly with all the hormones coursing through their bodies and things, yeah. you know, it looks as if they're turning into monsters. They're not. They're just struggling quite often with trying to make sense of what's going on. And so things will happen. And when we understand they're doing the best they can, we can have more compassion and and love and understanding. Um, and at times, be, be willing to be firm, be willing to be clear, so that the more, um, the clearer our minds are, 
So the less we're making up scary stories for ourselves, the clearer our minds are, the more able we're, we're, we are to access that clarity and common sense, which might say, you're out of order there, which yeah. might mean, sorry, but that's not acceptable. But we're saying it from a place of strength and resilience rather than freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of these things where I think anybody, whether it's a really good, like, I find like, you know, parents all, always like talk about their children being in temper tantrums, but we have temper tantrums too. They're just adult temper tantrums. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think a game changer for me was realizing <laughs> that I'm in that. I can be caught up in that. And just as much as I could say to Finley, like, you know, you know, to, like settle down. Well, the same thing for me. And I think yeah. we talked about this this week on, on the webinar was giving yourself time to come yeah. down just as you would yeah. a child. And I think that, but it also helps you understand when you're in that, you can see how caught up in your thoughts you can get. So you can understand that if your children or teenagers are doing that, they're also just caught up in a thought storm. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so helpful when we understand how the human mind works. And we're all human. We realize that our teenagers act exactly the same way as we do. Everybody in the world gets caught up in believing something that might not be true. You know, at the times when I believe that my daughter, who's 20, is behaving in a really sort of self-centered, selfish way. So I then think of her as self-centered and selfish. Well, there's so far from the truth. Yeah. You know, but I forget, and that's all I can see because I'm caught up in my own little made-up story. And it might be a, a word she's used or something she said, and immediately I go into that thought storm. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that we we can laugh about on the webinar because what I find I do quite often now. In fact, if I do get into that kind of thought storm, which isn't very often, I almost immediately feel it and yeah. start saying, "Oh God, Jen, I've just gone into a thought storm. Yeah. Sorry." <laughs> you know, and, and we can laugh about it. So yeah. our relationship is so much better for it because I can see myself as human. And she can see you as human. And I think Absolutely. As well as that. I remember Finley once, like uh, when my dad was sick and we were going to see him and I had to kind of share bad news with him. Mm. And I, had, I, I, we were sitting in a, in a, a, a like we were driving down and we pulled over for a coffee and I wanted to talk to him, but I started to get teary and he put his hand on my, on my arm and he said, mommy, it looks like you're going to cry. Should we take this conversation outside? <laughs> you know? And, oh, you know, but the thing was, and here I oh. was, you know, I wasn't, then I realized that I hadn't really cried that much in front of him, yeah. but crying is human. And so I think there's such value in showing our Absolutely. kids. Yeah. Because then it also gives them permission to be human. Yeah, absolutely. I think also that what came to me as you were talking was about our expectations. So if we're expecting, if our understanding of, of parenting is to not cry or not show emotions, then we're immediately up against it because that's just not how it works. Yeah. So we talk a lot on the webinars about our expectations, not just for our teenagers' behavior, but of ourselves as parents or of you know, the wider family, what do, how do we expect them to get involved? Or how do we expect them to give us advice or correct us or whatever? Well, that's a big what one. kind of conversation, yeah, what kind of conversations do we expect to have with the other parents at the school gate? Yeah. And it's just realizing, actually, I have an expectation there. That's not, that's not real. 
and that sort of for people can kind of loosen the tension yeah and actually when we know that i i kind of i will know what to do in the moment because wisdom's got my back i think it's particularly difficult for people now i mean i, I often talk about the fact of going to a bookshop and the shelves and shelves and shelves on different books on different parenting types oh, yeah you know green parent butter free parent whatever it's all there in front yeah. of us and it's like which one do you choose well actually you you kind of know yourself yeah it's not saying don't read those things from a place of interest and kind of like curiosity but then they're, they're not there to tell you how to do it yeah yeah i was telling my niece um she has a baby that's three months oh, yeah. and i said you know you know him better than anybody so if you feel like mm -hmm. there's something going on and like listening to that wisdom is so much more it's going to give you so much more information than a book will or somebody yeah. else's opinion will yeah. um it's and it's funny with parents how so many people have advice like you know yeah breastfed but you know not but you know put formula you know yeah. it's, it's it, on everything that somebody will uh, hop in with advice since coming across the three principles it's really changed how I show up with people as well, you know, in all okay. regards like that. And, and also how I respond to things. I remember like somebody said something to me about Finley and before I would have kind of reacted to it. Whereas now I'm just like, you know, that's the perception that you have and that's, yeah. but yeah. that's the lens that you're looking through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I've spoken to a few mums particularly because you know, I had two brothers, so I, I kind of did have experience of teenage boys, albeit I was a teenager myself at the time. But one of the mums I'm working with, she, there, was, there were no men in her family as she was growing up. She, her dad wasn't on the scene. She had no brothers. And now she's got this teenage boy. She doesn't know what to do with him. So she's doing the best she can. But she's actually having an understanding about what happens with hormones and puberty and all that sort of stuff for a boy is going to be really helpful for her. So there is some useful stuff that you could do. And I've got, you know, there's books and resources that I point people to yeah. to help them understand what's going on. Um, but I think also you said something about, oh, it can be really comforting when you're talking to other parents about how dreadful things are. Yeah. And there is a sense of comfort, definitely. You feel like you're being validated and they understand. Yeah. But I think you start to realize that actually that's not not being really helpful. Actually, I want to see what's going on here. I want to have a different experience with my teenager. And I want to be less stressed and less upset. And I want to enjoy my relationship with them. And I think that's why people start looking in a different direction. They start looking towards something like the principles. Yeah. Because it helps them, helps to explain what's going on. And gives people a kind of hopeful clarity and understanding. So if your son comes home from school, rushes upstairs, slams the bedroom door, doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of you've made that into a story because that makes sense to you. It could mean a whole range of things, but also he will settle down because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was working with a client who her son did exactly that and she went right up right. after him and she opened the door 
the door and said, oh, how dare you slam the door? And then she slammed the door and it was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> you know? I know. I know. Yeah. And there's, and there's that. And then there's the, the deep worry. It's, it's, there's so much in the media now. You yeah. know, are they depressed? Are they being bullied? Are they taking drugs? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? And, and one of the ladies on the, um, on the webinar, her son's 13, 14. And she said that the state of his bedroom is driving her crazy, like his clothes all over the floor, blah, 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 blah. And, it's, and somebody else actually said, why are you going into his bedroom? And she said, well, it, his washing will never get done. And, and then we just take it a little bit further. And what would that mean? Yeah. Well, he'd, he'd start smelling. Okay, and what would that mean? And actually, it's no big deal. Yeah. And actually, just that one little thing, it's like, oh, I'm going to say to him, you're 14 now, so from now on, you can... I'd love you to be responsible for your own washing and all of that kind of stuff. Are you okay with that? It just takes a whole load of stress off. And actually at 14, more than capable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we kind of explore those kinds of things. Whereas the traditional way of having a conversation like that is all to compete about whose child is the most difficult. (laughs) You know, you often find that with parents. Well, you know, and also we, we have talked about the fact that actually, Parents say they find it quite hard to say, actually, I'm, I'm really enjoying my son being a teenager. Yeah. And that was my experience. And I can remember keeping quiet about that because, okay, <laughs> you might have problems, but I'm fine. And that didn't feel very supportive. Yeah. So we tend not to talk about that. You know, there's, I'm just going to go back to what you were saying before in, in when you find comfort in these situations, but that one of the things I, I've realized is that often life isn't meant to be lived in a comfort zone all the time. There are times when we have to push the boundaries, but we get Absolutely. to the corner space when we do. So yeah. sometimes having these conversations with others, like with our, our, our clients or with our children, it does bring you to a new space. And I find like I have conversations with family like this all the time. And I, it's, it's, an, it's a game changer to say, this situation isn't working. Like, let's sit down. Like, how are you seeing this? How am I seeing this? Like what's, you know, and meeting in a different space. And I find if you have conversations with them, and I think that what I see the value in your webinars is that we can see the lens that we're looking through. And that's huge. Absolutely. It's huge. Like you said, you were looking through the lens that, you know, your son was going to end up in jail. (laughs) I know. So then you look for validation of that you know in his actions whereas you just if you realized oh wow that's a story that I've created in my head you might change the lens absolutely and 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 if the lens and when when you talk about the lens I love that because that's how we're looking at the world through our own personal lens of whatever which could be that it's really scary to be a teenager or teenagers are all awful whatever the lens is that's what we'll see in the world and I think when we realize that our teenagers are made of the same stuff as us, that actually they are, you know, love, resilience, compassion, they're made of that stuff. They're just showing up differently as we do from time to time. Then we start to see ourselves as equal and actually we start to have a partnership with them rather than an adult-child relationship. And there will be things that we have had more experience of in the world and they're useful to share like my son at 24 worked out that if you put an egg into a pot of boiling water with a spoon you're not going to burn your fingers 
never occurred to him. He was always using his fingers and dropping the egg into the pan. 24. <laughs> so it, was, it would have been useful for me to have shared that information with him. <laughs> but I have great conversations with them when I'm literally listening with nothing on my mind. I'm curious about how they see the world. So we think that as adults, we've got it all sorted. So we've got 30 years or whatever, more than they have in living in the world. So we think we've got it sorted. Not at all. They're equipped to deal with the world as a teenager now. We're not. We were equipped to deal with a teenager, in my case, 30 odd years ago, 40 years ago, gosh, <laughs> getting older. <laughs> but understanding and being curious about how they see the world genuinely, not so that we can correct them, but actually so that we can hear what they're saying and maybe learn from them. It just seems like a no-brainer to me, if, if they will sit down and talk to us, of course. <laughs> well, and that's, the, I, I think, when I'm working with people, it's that letting go of an attachment to an outcome, you know? Yeah. Um, and love that. When you, when you do so, it kind of, like, say if, if you're attached to the outcome that your son's going to end up in jail, you know? You're yeah. Attached, or, or, or in a conversation, you think they should say this. When, yeah. You know, giving them the space to say what they want to say and about giving space, one of the game changers for me has been about deep listening. And Jack Pransky taught me this at a, uh, a workshop I did with him, is that you're an empty vessel. Yeah. Because if you enter a conversation trying to point them somewhere, yeah, you, you might, you, you're missing, you're, you have an agenda, right? You have an attachment yeah. to something. Whereas there's so much value in just listening and like you say, yeah. getting curious because you, you, you see how they're seeing the world or how they're seeing a particular experience and you help, it helps understand it, you know? Yeah, so that's so true. I think that being attached to an outcome or an expectation yeah. is huge. And we, it's so subtle, we don't realize we're doing it a lot of the time. And my daughter at the moment, she's in her second year of university and she's... She, so she went back a few weeks ago and she's loving the course, but she hates the university and hates where she's living. So a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to her and she's like, I'm not sure I'm going to go into my third year, mum. It's just not worth it. And I'm like, genuinely, okay, sweetheart, let's see what happens. And of course, I, I met up with her yesterday and she said, no, no, I'm definitely going to stick it out. I want to get a degree here. So I'm going to put up with it because life's not always rosy, is it? You know, she was teaching me. Yeah. <laughs> but I could have spent those two weeks in all sorts of states of, God, I've got to persuade her to stay. What a waste of money. She, you know, how can she give up? Or poor thing, it must be awful. I must bring her home. There were so many paths I could have gone down with that. But I was fortunate enough to just be an empty vessel and be confident that it will sort itself out. Not she'll sort herself out, but life will sort itself out. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And it could have been that she'd come, you know, she'd decided to give up. And then I'd have responded in whatever way made sense at the time. But it feels like light touch parenting. There's still lots of love and lots of care and responsibility. It's not about not feeding our teenagers or, you know, giving them good advice and that sort of thing. But it's about doing it. It's so much easier to do it from love when our heads aren't full of worry and stress and anger. And that's what we want to do. I think all the parents that I've met, they just, they want to be loving and kind and supportive. They don't want to be angry and stressed out 
and say mean things. They hate themselves for it quite often, but they don't see any other way. And then when they start to understand what's going on in the mind, not to say we might not still have outbursts, <laughs> but they tend to be fewer, they tend to be less intense, and they tend to be over much more quickly with often an apology at the end. So, it, you know, this understanding has completely changed my style of parenting, and I love it. You know, I genuinely love parenting, which is why I want to share it with other people, because it can be amazing. What an amazing journey. It is an amazing journey. And something that you were saying there when, when you're talking about your daughter, when you let go of the attachment, like if you would have had the attachment, oh my goodness, she has to stay in school, she has to do this, she has to do Showing up as an empty vessel kind of gives her the space to find her own wisdom. And we want to teach our kids that because as as they grow, they need that because we're not always going to be there to be able to point them in the direction that we think is right or wrong. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, yes, and allowing them to find their own way, to find their own answers, but they know they're not alone. Yeah. And I think also what I would have done in the past, that, that sort of situation would have freaked me out and I'd just probably talked to a lot of people about it yeah. and got their opinions. And then I'd have had, you know, a whole range of, oh God, she should stay there. Who does she think she is? You know, all that money, whatever. And that would have confused me even more. Whereas I could just get on with life knowing it would sort itself out. So, Yeah. And life does. Life's kind of living through them, if that makes sense. They're on their own journeys, their own paths, and they will make their own decisions. And some of them will look like really bad decisions to us. (laughs) Yeah. But even then, we can look back often later on and think, oh, no, that kind of makes sense in the bigger picture. It just, I don't know which group it was in. There was a discussion where a mother was saying her uh, daughter, her 13 year old daughter, wanted to cut her hair in a particular way and she was really struggling with it. Mm. You know, and yeah. And it's one of these things where we can get so caught up and spend so much time in our heads with situations of, you know, like, oh my God, she wants to cut her hair like this. So that means she's going to go down this path, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny, I can't remember where I was recently, but I heard just, you know, the, the conversations you overhear in the supermarket. But a mum said to a young girl who was probably about eight, yes, okay, you can have your ears pierced, but if you have a tattoo, you're not part of this family. <laughs> it's like, and I just carried on walking, and I thought that little snapshot was so interesting. <laughs> I know. Just to hear that, you know. Just, and I'm sure I've said stuff like that myself. And it makes sense at the time. Yeah. Not for a long time, I hope, but I'm sure, particularly when the children were younger, I would say things that now I'd look back and think, how did that ever make any sense? But it just does. Stuff like, it does in the moment. Like if you not get, if you don't get enough sleep, I don't know, you'll, you'll not be able to do, I don't know, there's so many things that we say, a lot of it is putting fear into them. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, this will, won't happen or whatever. We have all these ways of enticing our kids to go to bed or to eat properly or whatever and a lot of it is fear-based when actually if it if it can come from love yeah wouldn't that be different it is such a game changer it's one of these things that when you realize you really do want to shout it from the rooftops to people (laughs) it's like um 
I can remember you saying to me when we were doing You do, absolutely, yeah. That the facilitator training, you said to me, because at the time I was like, oh my goodness, I want to share this with, you know, and you were like, <laughs> as a mentor, your job <laughs> is to kind of bring down, and I remember you saying that to me, my job is just to kind of bring you down, because <laughs> you, right. you do want That's to share right. with everybody, because it, it's such a tremendous gift, and I mean, we've seen our colleagues go into jails or, you know, I talked to Stephanie Fox yeah. a couple weeks ago, like who's on a mission to end the war, you know, the yeah. potential for this. And it's the same understanding that, that this is what I love about it. Whether I'm talking to a business leader, whether I'm talking to somebody going through separation and divorce, whether I'm talking to a child, it's really all the same thing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's also, supporting people to realize that it's it's all also not what we say it's it's how we are with people yeah so it's not about parents using the right words necessarily it's if we're in a good good place a good state where we're kind of pretty chilled and settled and enjoying life we're nice people to be around and we'll find our parent our children gravitating towards us because they want to be around us, because we're nice to be around. If we're all het up, worried, stressed, then it kind of gives off a bit of a, a down energy. And, they, you know, you can, that's, they'll be running in a different direction. And that's the same as that. So it's about us first. Hmm. Do you, uh, over here, there's this commercial, it's a, it's a Snickers chocolate bar. And right. they have a person who's absolutely manic. <laughs> oh yeah because they're hangry they're they're angry because yes. hungry kind of thing and it's actually really good <laughs> yes you know it, it captures things and often i find parents can criticize their kids mm. when often it just might be they're tired like sometimes it's have they had enough water are they hungry you know yeah, yeah. and yeah really it just might be that and nothing else and, and that's where I think, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's where I think also having an understanding about how the physical body works can be really helpful. Yeah. Not just the hormones, but the hydration, the sugar highs and the sugar lows, all of that kind of information. So a, a young child coming out of school at the end of the day, it's probably not the best time to go to the supermarket with them. Yeah. That's our local supermarket. That's what I experienced yesterday. There were a lot of young children in there who are tired, stressed, wanting sugary things. The parents are saying no, the parents are stressed. And it was like, this is, it's not that you shouldn't do that. It's having an understanding about why the child's behaving like that is really helpful. Yeah. And that allows us to be compassionate and come up with good ideas. We'll give them a banana to eat as they go around in the trolley. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It just made me think about it because when you said banana, the supermarket that's close to where I live, they have at the door um, a fruit basket where kids can take a banana or an orange. And it's brilliant, yeah. You know, when you think about it, yeah. that's exactly it. That's actually... Absolutely. <laughs> that's the parents. That's so. for the parents, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I've never made yeah. that correlation before. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> now that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, but it made sense to me when the children were little. I'd, I'd have to bring them home in the car so I go and pick them up in the car it made sense to me to have snacks in the car most of the time yeah now if I was stressed I would forget mm. 
And so then I would have the behavior that, that as a consequence of that. But when I was in a settled enough state, I would remember to take some snacks. Yeah. When I was het up, stressed or whatever, I would forget. So it just shows that the more settled we are, and I don't mean going around in a Zen-like state all the time, that's impossible. But actually, stuff like that is just common sense. And when I'm, when I'm relaxed and everything's working in a fairly good way, I am more likely to remember common sense stuff than yeah. if I'm het up. I had a friend who just had snacks in her car, in her glove box. Uh, genius. She just said, you know, I know that, yeah. you know, when she picked up her son, most often he was hungry. And yeah. I learned from that. So I would just have snacks in the car. You know, it, it yeah. is one of these things that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you get somebody like my mum saying, that's ridiculous. You sh- they shouldn't eat between meals. They should. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe oh, she's yeah, right. <laughs> Am I getting it wrong again? You know, so it's, you're getting all this conflicting information, but actually it felt like a really good common sense to me. It's, so I carried on doing it. You know, and this is hey? always pointing people to is how does it feel? You know, yeah. I think there's a tremendous difference between what's in your chin and up being caught up in your yeah. head versus how it feels in your body. You know, yeah. I've often said that to Finley when he's having a conflict, I'll just say, how does this feel? You know, does this feel yes. or think about it? You know, is there another way you can think about it? And he does. And I'll just ask him, which one feels better for you? Absolutely. You know? And that's where your wisdom yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think understanding that, you know, you've, if you've got a teenager who's had quite a stressful day at school, they come home and then they've got three hours of homework to do. Huge. And yeah. they're, they're grumpy. Wouldn't you be? You know, it's having an understanding of that. Again, back to expectations. Do we expect them to be all sunny and light? and helpful all the time because if we do then we're on hiding to nothing so understanding their world can be really useful you know there's the thing about expectations we make them up yeah i wrote a blog about this it's like we create this expectation box and have a list of it could be for our kids or partners whatever and then we don't share that expectation box with the other person but yeah, no. we hold them accountable to it. We get angry when they don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I often say to people, it's like we write the script and then we expect people to play the part we've written for them, but we don't show them the script. <laughs> yeah. And then we get cross with them because they're not playing their part. And it's like, it, doesn't it make sense to have a, then have a conversation yeah. about expectation? Do you know... I think this is from Steve Chandler. I learned this um, in one of his books. He talks about expectation. Son, I have an expectation. Uh, Oh, sorry, Mandy. I think we froze a bit there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a there's dodgy reception. Yeah, it is. I think that was on my end. There's a huge difference between an expectation and an agreement. You know. Yes. And. Lovely. I have found yeah. this change. That's been a game changer for me and some like the parents that I work with. I've done it with Finley around screen time where we sat down together and yeah. we, you know, this is this is what we came up with as an as an agreement. 
and you know, so yeah. we came, we wrote about here's how you know, if you do half an hour of reading, you can get 15 minutes more screen time. Does that sound good? Yeah, came up with suggestions, and now it's an agreement. So there's it's taken away this whole the whole conversation. It's changed things so much that he doesn't come and say, "Can I go on screens?" When he knows it's a screen free day, you know. Um, yeah, love that. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely, and it's also it's treating them with respect as well. It's actually that that's back to the partnership, isn't it? It's just giving them yeah. a voice. And it, what, what was interesting in that that I found funny is that I wasn't really liberal with the screen time. And when we did mm-hmm. the agreement, he was like, "Oh, mommy, this is good. This is really, really good." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> you know." <laughs> Love it. So again, yeah. I had something in my head. I had a story in my head about how it was going to go, and it. You know, but we just yeah. we just sat, and it just I think taking that expectation box away, and if there are things that need to be done because there are, then we say okay, here's here here's what it is. It also teaches them the value of kind of giving their word and showing up. You know, yes, yeah, yeah. And I think it's with that expectation are all the the kind of unwritten rules quite often. Yeah, where we have an expectation. I don't know that that we all sit around the dinner table together every night and eat together and have nice chitty chatty conversation. It's like, well, where did that rule come from? Yeah. And is it, you know, does it need to be enforced? Is it really important? Yeah. And I think sometimes we realize actually, no, I'm making a big deal out of something that's not, not even important, isn't even necessary. You know, a perfectly ironed shirt every morning. <laughs> Who's that for? Yeah. You know, it's kind of whose rule is that and what does it matter? So a friend of mine who's, you know, his, her, her son was going to school without, with an unironed shirt because he didn't bring his washing out in time. It's a long story, but basically he was fine with it. And she realized that actually what she was worried about was the judgment from other parents about her, yeah. not about her son. And she was quite sort of sheep-faced about it. It's like, oh gosh, you know, it's all about me. And it's like, oh, well, he always is. <laughs> It always is about us. What will people think of me as a mother? Mm, yeah. So back to expectations. What do I expect from myself? And often it's very unrealistic. Yeah. So if I can expect to be loving and kind as, as often as I can and to meet them in a partnership and to be human, then, you know, it's hard to go wrong from there. Yeah, even when you feel like you might be going wrong, you're really not if you just give yourself the time and space. Yeah, yeah, and if we do lose it, it you know, it's, um, I think having these sorts of conversations is really helpful. So finding people to have a conversation with is really useful, um, who will help point you towards resilience and health and love rather than away from it. Because most of the conversations that we have are pointing us away from that innate well-being that we all have. Yeah, so true. And they're so much fun to have. Like, not they're really enjoyable to sit in. in yeah. I've really enjoyed sitting on your webinars because they are. There's something where it's just when you see people just realizing that they're human. Yeah. And showing up. Yeah. just to be human is okay it's like it, yeah it's really time well spent i would say i think definitely yeah so mandy yeah, the more wanted, we can do the better mm. 
if you had a piece of advice or wisdom or something to leave our listeners with, what would that be? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's to start knowing or even just believing a little bit that it's possible that they have resilience built in. So even if they can't believe it, they could possibly believe that it might be true, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I know it to be true in everybody, as I'm sure you do. I sure do, yeah. But I also know what it's like to not know it for myself. Yeah. So that's, that's something that I would like to say to people. And then if they hear anything in this, to get in touch with you, get in touch with me, actually just start having more conversations. Um, yeah. This, is, <clears throat> this has been a really nice chat, Mandy. I really enjoyed it. I always I enjoy our chats, but, but I think there's so much in this value that our listeners could, could benefit from by just sitting and listening to this and, and kind of reflecting on it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, I mean, we've talked a lot about parenting, but as you said, this could be for anybody, you know, business owners, um, I don't know, nurses, social workers, whoever. Anybody. Because we all work in the same way. Um, yeah. And if, you know, if people are interested in knowing more about the, the parenting, I know you, you work with parents and I have my parenting webinars and do one-to-one. So yeah. I would highly recommend people <laughs> to try out the different conversation um, and just see how it feels. They're not alone. Definitely, definitely not. I'm, they're not alone. I'm going to put a link to um, all your contact information in the show notes for this. Lovely. Thank you. And I didn't mention, just a quick mention, that I, I also have uh, most of my working life was with children with special needs or adults with special yeah. needs and their families. So um, I have a, a great interest in that. And I'm a trustee for a local organization that does kind of music um, oh, I'll, I'll put a link in for that because that's amazing. That's another conversation. Jeez, no, um, that's another conversation I need to have with you. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, I won't say any more about that one now. What did we um, say from the last webinar? Like just the, the ending on the doorstep kind of thing? That's right. Social workers call it the doorstep conversation. Just at the very end is when we start talking about yeah, all the really interesting stuff. <laughs> but no, this has been great. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Mandy, thanks so much. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone. This conversation was filled with many good takeaways, not just for parents, but for everyone. As Mandy said, this understanding is the same for everyone. I love Mandy's gentle way of going deeper into a conversation. This is where we break through what appears to be happening, and instead we get to the heart of the matter. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. We often create stories about our children and then look for evidence to support the story. When we discover how the mind works, we see how often we get caught up in our own thinking. What we think is going on and what is actually happening are very different. Parents are human too. Taking the time and space to let our minds settle, just as we ask our children to do, is a step towards a more peaceful parenting and a loving relationship. And finally, lead with love. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast with anybody you think would enjoy it. If you have any comments or feedback, 
please don't hesitate to reach out. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.